Joining us today on the Alagos Radio and the Alagos interview series is international lawyer and professor of international law at the University of Illinois, Dr. Francis Boyle. Boyle has served as legal counsel to the Palestinian Authority, to Hawaiian independence groups, and has served on a legal team which led to the conviction of George W. Bush and Dick Cheney for war crimes. Professor Boyle, welcome to our program today. Well, thank you very much for having me on and my best to uh all my friends in uh, Greece, great country, great people, uh, spent about two weeks traveling around in 1974 and another two weeks traveling around in uh, August was 1982. So Wonderful. Well, let's get started by talking about the Kuala Lumpur War Crimes Commission and the case which led to the conviction of George W. Bush, Dick Cheney, Donald Rumsfeld, Alberto Gonzalez, and others in absentia for war crimes. Tell us about this commission and about this case that you were part of, as well as its aftermath. Well, there were uh, two different proceedings. The first one was against uh, Bush and Tony Blair uh, for their war of aggression and Nuremberg crime against peace uh, against Iraq. And I was uh, part of the team that helped get a uh, unanimous conviction there. And then the uh, second proceeding was against Bush, Cheney, Rumsfeld, uh, Rice, Gonzalez, and and several others uh, for uh, torture and war crimes. And uh, again, I was part of the team that helped get uh, a... uh, unanimous conviction, both for uh, uh, torture and uh, war crimes. Uh, Those materials have been filed with the uh, uh, International uh, Criminal Court, and I'm uh, doing the best I can to uh, follow up on my own, tracking these people and staying in touch with uh, other lawyers to see if we can get them uh, apprehended. Uh, Bush was about to go to uh, Switzerland, and a uh, Swiss parliamentarian, aware of my work, uh, demanded that the uh, uh, Bush, uh, sorry, that the uh, Swiss prosecutor general uh, apprehend and prosecute Bush for uh, torture and war crimes under the uh, domestic uh, implementing legislation for the Rome Statute for the International Criminal Court. So when word got back to Bush, he uh, he didn't go to Switzerland. So that's, you know, the way I'm proceeding and uh, uh, other uh, international human rights experts. I'm not the only one out, uh, out there. Uh, I know the um, Center for Constitutional Rights in New York is involved. I believe uh, Amnesty International is involved. And there, you know, there's some other uh, human rights lawyers I stay in con- contact with around the world. So we'll keep after these people the best we can. Now, let's look more closely at the role of United States foreign policy, its military, and the role of NATO in the world today. Almost eight years ago, President Obama came to office promising to shut down Guantanamo Bay, promising to right the wrongs of the Bush administration, but instead we've seen Guantanamo remain open, we've seen U.S. military involvement in Iraq and Afghanistan and the Middle East continue, and we've seen the growth of military operations using unmanned drones in Yemen and elsewhere. How does international law view the actions of the Obama? administration in the United States today? Well, uh, actually, I I wrote a book that comprehensively covered all the uh, violations of international law, human rights, uh, the laws of war, and uh, United States constitutional law by the uh, Bush Jr. administration called uh, Tackling America's Toughest Questions. 
And in the uh, conclusion, uh, I, I wrote the conclusion uh, and three weeks after Obama was inaugurated. And in the conclusion, uh, I said it looked like uh, we very well might be getting a third Bush term. And uh, that's, that's what we've gotten here. Two more uh, Bush terms under uh, Obama. He's uh, pretty much continued the uh, Bush policies, um, uh, both uh, abroad and here at home, uh, uh, compounding and continuing the uh, Bush police state here uh, in the United States. So uh, at some point, I guess I'll get around to writing a, a book on the uh, uh, Obama administration's uh, violations of international law. But in the meantime, you could read my my book on the Bush violations, tackling America's toughest questions, and he, he's basically continued the same policies. We are on the air with international law expert Francis Boyle here on the Alagos Radio in the Alagos interview series. Years ago, he had written about the plans of the United States, the European Union, and NATO for the Ukraine and indeed for the world, with the stated goal of destroying specific states and listing seven countries that were slated to be taken over. What were those plans and have they come into fruition? Yes, they have. In, in my book, um, The Criminality of Nuclear Deterrence, uh, I have in there a uh, statement by uh, Deputy Secretary of Defense uh, Wolfowitz made uh, right after 9-11-2001 that the United States government was going to get into the uh, business of destroying states. And I analyzed that and said it's, it's genocidal. And then soon thereafter, uh, NATO General Wells, uh, Wesley Clark uh, was in the Pentagon. And he was told they had a list of uh, seven uh, Muslim states that they were going to destroy. And uh, basically, they've all been taken out now, uh, except for Iran. They've destroyed uh, uh, Afghanistan, uh, Syria, uh, Libya, uh, Somalia, Yemen. Uh, Lebanon has, has been pretty much uh, uh, paralyzed. And uh, they lopped off uh, South Sudan from uh, uh, Sudan. So um, it, that process continues. And uh, now they're, uh, they're moving toward uh, Ukraine and China. <laughs> I'm sorry, they're, they're moving toward Russia from Ukraine and also uh, China. They're moving to directly confront China. Is there, in your view, any political candidate, any political force in the United States at the present time that can put an end to this foreign policy into the U.S. military machine overseas? For instance, there's many progressives who have placed their hope in Bernie Sanders as the man to do this. Is this hope misguided, in your view? Well, I'm not going to uh, criticize Senator uh, 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 Sanders here. I, I dealt with him uh, personally, so okay. Uh, but everyone had the same hope about uh, Obama uh, during his campaign. Now, Obama was behind me at uh, Harvard Law School, and he moved to the Hyde Park area in Chicago there with the University of Chicago, where I was uh, an undergraduate. So I had my own sources up there in uh, Chicago, and they told me not to trust Obama. So I never have. Um, and indeed, I didn't vote for him two times in a row. And I was not deluded by Obama, which is why I said three three weeks into his uh, inauguration, 
uh, into his administration in my book, Tackling America's Toughest Question, it looked to me like we were going to get a third uh, Bush term. Well, you know, hope springs eternal. Uh, maybe uh, 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 Bernie Sanders will, will actually do something. I don't know. Uh, Hillary Clinton is a psychopath and a war criminal. Quote, uh, we came, we saw he died, unquote, uh, referring to um, uh, mimicking Julius Caesar and then uh, laughing hysterically after Colonel Gaddafi, my former client, uh, was sodomized with a knife and uh, uh, beaten to death. So, you know, she's a certified uh, uh, psychopath and war criminal. As for the Republicans, um, uh, none of them look very good at all between you and me. Um, so I guess maybe uh, uh, Senator uh, Sander might make a difference. Uh, the last time around, I, I did uh, uh, support Jill Stein of the uh, Green Party. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I thought she was the best candidate and had the, uh, the best platform. Um, but unfortunately, the, the Greens, with all due respect to them, didn't really get themselves organized and accomplish anything. So there we are here in America. What can I say? We are speaking with international law expert Francis Boyle here on the Alagos Radio and the Alagos interview series. The ongoing and worsening conflict in Syria and all across the Middle East has led to a tremendous wave of refugees fleeing their homelands and traveling under treacherous conditions to Europe, with Greece often serving as the European entry point for these refugees. What do you make of the European Union's stance toward the refugee crisis and the stance of the international community as well? And what does international law foresee? in such circumstances. Right. Well, all these refugees uh, are fleeing because the United States government has been destroying their states, as we've already discussed. Uh, Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, Somalia, Yemen, and Libya you know, accounts for most of them. So that's why they are uh, fleeing an outright terror uh, of the uh, aggression, war crimes, genocide, crimes against humanity uh, that the United States government is, is inflicting uh, upon them. Uh, with respect to Europe, uh, everyone there in Europe, all the states are parties to the uh, UN uh, Refugees uh, Convention. That's the uh, uh, international law. Uh, unfortunately, it appears that uh, no, they're going to be making Greece the scapegoat for all this and uh, confining uh, all these refugees in Greece, if you're reading the uh, uh, plans here, which is completely unfair. Uh, I don't know exactly how to advise Greece to to deal with this situation. The, the refugee convention uh, is there, but you're being made the scapegoat for American policies uh, here and Europe is going along with it. You have written and spoken extensively about growing Israeli belligerence in the Middle East and about the Palestinian right of return. How does international law view Israeli actions in a region, such as the continued construction of settlements, and how can the Palestinian people defend their homeland and their sovereignty from a legal point of view? Well, I've written three books on this, Palestine, Palestinians, and International Law, Breaking All the Rules, and uh, uh, the uh, Palestinian right of return under international law. So I'm not going to go through all that. But basically what we have here is uh, outright genocide 
being perpetrated by Israel against the Palestinians with the full support of the United States government. And that is what uh, confronts us um, today uh, as citizens of the uh, world community. Uh, Israel wants all of Palestine and they don't want any Palestinians there. So it's going to get uh, worse. Uh, I've given the best advice I can to the Palestinian leadership. Uh, I work with them to get them up to the point uh, where they are now uh, a United Nations uh, observer uh, state. Uh, I have devised a means whereby they can overcome Obama's threatened uh, veto of their membership, full-fledged state membership in the United Nations. Uh, and I have also offered to sue Israel at the International Court of Justice uh, in The Hague, the World Court, for inflicting genocide against them and uh, trying to stop it, the settlements, uh, the genocidal uh, siege of, um, uh, of Gaza. So the Palestinian leadership uh, has my uh, recommendations and offer to help. Um, in the meantime, I'm doing everything I can do here. Uh, I was the one who uh, set off the uh, Israeli divestment disinvestment campaign in November of uh, 2000. And then in 2005, the uh, Palestinian civil society uh, contacted me and asked me if I would go in with them on a uh, BDS campaign, which I agreed to do. So uh, the BDS campaign has taken off now uh, all, uh, all over the world. And I would uh, encourage your uh, listeners uh, to work with the uh, uh, Palestinian BDS campaign for sure. It's having an impact. We are on the air with international law expert Francis Boyle here on the Alagos Radio and in the Alagos interview series. Having mentioned Israel and the Middle East, this past summer the Greek government signed an agreement with the Armed Forces of Israel, a so-called Status of Forces Accord, which Israel has apparently signed with only one other country in the world, the United States. What does this accord mean and what do you make of the Greek government's efforts to forge closer ties with Israel? Well, I haven't uh, read this uh, document, so I don't think I should uh, comment on a document I haven't read. But it is uh, very unfortunate to see uh, Greece move towards working hand in glove with Israel uh, when you did have a uh, previous history there uh, of uh, supporting the Palestinians. Uh, and I think the uh, Greek people need to make it clear to the current uh, Syriza government that you're not going to accept this at all, and you want the, uh, the uh, Greek government to go back and, and support the Palestinians. You used to be a member of the board of Amnesty International USA back in the late 80s and early 1990s. However, you have since turned into a fierce critic of NGOs, such as Amnesty International. Describe for us the relationship that exists between such NGOs and power structures in Washington and elsewhere. Well, yes, uh, uh, these uh, Western NGOs, and you probably have some of them there in Greece, all uh, operate on the uh, basic principle, he who pays the piper calls the tune. Uh, there's uh, nothing uh, objective, neutral, or uh, dispassionate about uh, any of them, uh, including and especially uh, Human Rights Watch, the International Committee of the Red Cross, 
uh, I could go down uh, an entire list of these NGOs. So they're really not there to uh, help you and the uh, people of Greece. You, you might have your own uh, internal Greek NGOs that, that get money from Greek sources. That, that's a different matter. So you have to be uh, uh, very careful uh, with these uh, NGOs. For example, uh, this summer, uh, Amnesty International uh, adopted a resolution to the effect that it was going to uh, promote the uh, sex industry and uh, sex trade on a worldwide basis, which I did my best to uh, stop. Uh, I read the uh, documents in support of this, and it all went back to uh, George Soros um, uh, documentation uh, to, to support it. So it seems that uh, Soros must have made a very big uh, contribution to Amnesty International to get this uh, repre reprehensible policy uh, rammed through um, their headquarters in London and then Amnesty uh, uh, worldwide. Uh, I take it Soros must have some type of investments in the uh, sex industry. You know, he's he's a hedge fund uh, manager. And then, you know, Soros gave $100 million to Human Rights Watch. So you can figure it out from there. But it, it's true for all these uh, Western NGOs. We're speaking with international law expert Francis Boyle here on the Alagos Radio and the Alagos Interview Series. Your outspoken criticism of U.S. foreign policy against Israel and also on issues such as being in favor of independence for Hawaii and for many other issues has put you on the radar of the FBI and other intelligence agencies. Describe for us an encounter you had with the FBI about a decade ago. Yes, uh, uh, one day, uh, two, uh, 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 agents for the FBI and the CIA um, showed up my office, uh, misrepresented to my secretary who they were and what they were about. I let them into my office. They proceeded to interrogate me for uh, one hour and tried to get me to become an informant uh, against my uh, Muslim clients, uh, which I refused to do, repeatedly refused. Um, so they went out then and put me on all the uh, United States government's uh, terrorist watch lists. Uh, according to my lawyer, there are six or seven of them. And as far as he could figure out, uh, I was put on uh, all of them. And and my, my lawyer did appeal, uh, but he was told I would remain on all these watch lists until the FBI and the CIA take me off, which, of course, is not going to happen in uh, my lifetime. Uh, he did make it uh, possible for me uh, to travel, but there we are. Now, let's turn to Greece one more time. Over the past six years, successive Greek governments, including the supposedly leftist Syriza government, have signed a series of memorandum agreements which have not only imposed harsh economic austerity, which have not only resulted in a privatization and sell-off of key public assets, but which have also essentially signed away, at least on paper, Greece's sovereignty. The European Union and the Troika have final approval rights over key legislation that is brought before the Greek parliament, while the memorandum agreements have been placed under the legal authority of the United Kingdom and Luxembourg. Are such agreements valid under international law? And what could Greece do to restore the country's sovereignty? Are there any precedents in international law that Greece could turn to? Right. Well, it does appear that uh, Syriza uh, has abandoned and betrayed the, uh, uh, the Greek people and the uh, promises uh, it had made uh, originally to, uh, uh, to get elected. Uh, 
you know, you're asking me this uh, question for the uh, uh, first time, uh, but certainly um, one could use an argument of uh, economic duress and uh, uh, threats and coercion uh, under the uh, Vienna Convention on the Law of Treaties uh, to to try to um, claw back some of these agreements that uh, uh, Syriza has made. Uh, as for this uh, uh, debt that you're on, there is a well-known doctrine under uh, international law uh, known as odious debt that I think uh, uh, Greece could could consider uh, to to repudiate a, a good deal of this debt. I haven't studied you know the elements of the Greek debt, uh, but but it does appear there are uh, more than enough elements there. Um, that, that could be repudiated as uh, odious debt. And then finally, uh, clearly, Germany owes massive uh, reparations to Greece uh, for the uh, Nazi uh, occupation and war crimes uh, in Greece during World War II. Uh, they, ha they still have not paid up. And uh, I, I think the, uh, the Greek government or the Greek people uh, need to insist uh, on that. And that gives you a lot of leverage against Germany, uh, which is really the most powerful country in Europe now and is uh, pretty much calling all, all the shots here. And I think uh, there the Greek people uh, uh, understand this. So you have a lot of leverage, uh, but uh, regretfully, uh, uh, the Syriza government has used it. Are the examples of countries such as Iceland or Argentina possible precedents that could be used in the case of Greece? Well, Iceland's pretty small. Uh, yes, you could you could look at Argentina, um, and then also uh, Malaysia when it was uh, threatened uh, by uh, Soros uh, with the his attack uh, his hedge funds attack on the um, uh, Asian uh, tigers. And uh, uh, Malaysia was able to, to pull through that. Yes. We are on the air with international law expert Francis Boyle here on the Alagos Radio and the Alagos Interview Series. We live in a global society today that is marked by increased government surveillance, police violence, and increasingly neoliberal and authoritarian world. In light of this, what can ordinary people do to not only stand up for human rights and the rule of law, but to also identify political and social movements that will truly stand up for their rights and not betray them? Well, you just had a general strike in Greece yesterday. I, I thought that was great. I mean, it really shows the uh, Greek people have, uh, have had enough here. Uh, and, and, you know, everyone taking the street. Uh, I think we need to see more of that in Greece. And then uh, some type of leadership emerge out of uh, those, uh, those general strikes. It, it seems to me they're really in contact with the people. Uh, Syriza has uh, forfeited, uh, in my opinion, its right to lead the, uh, the Greek people. They're working in cahoots uh, with the uh, IMF, World Bank, European Central Bank, uh, Brussels, uh, and Berlin. Professor Boyle, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today here on the Alagos Radio and the Alagos Interview Series and for sharing your insights and experiences with our listeners. Well, again, thanks for having me on, and uh, I look forward uh, to coming back to Greece sometime when I, I can fit the uh, trip in. Great, great country.
Uh, I learned so much uh, from your people and the uh, uh, history and the culture. Thank you once more. Greatly appreciated.